0: This message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us, and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. I am glad to see you here. Today, we are concluding our August message series based on the book, Failing Faith. And uh, this, this book, this series, has meant... A tremendous amount to me, and uh, I've heard from several others have appreciated the content. Have read to the book, uh, and I would like to commend it to every single person here. In fact, I may uh, I bought the digital copy that I've read. I may end up got buying a couple hard copy book cart uh, because I really want to read this book. Uh, it is the story of a big pastor who, through the Illness, his father battled with leukemia. He came to realize that his faith uh, had failed him in a certain way. It wasn't that faith failed him, it was that his approach to faith had failed him. And when he reached this point where he could no longer uh, find comfort and control in his circumstances or his ability to control the circumstances, that it led him to a point of surrender where he was like, God, I can't do anything else but just give it to you. And I tell you what, I did not know when I prepared this series back in the spring, I think it was before Easter, that I'll be walking the road that I'm walking right now. I've alluded to it over the last several weeks, but we've, in our family, Tiffany and Ethan and me, and my mom and extended family, have uh, experienced some really high highs and some really low lows. I can't get into a lot of specific details, but what I can share with you is uh, kind of a follow-up. When we got back from our trip to Wyoming, we learned that we had been matched with this little baby in Taiwan and we were so excited about being able to do her adoption. And then earlier this month, earlier this month, we found out that a person who was absolutely critical to signing off on the adoption has gone missing. And if this person is not located, then the state uh, is going to reserve the right to terminate our adoption proceedings and move her into a different category. And so friends, that has, if you've seen me on edge, Uh, If you've seen me struggling, I mean, I know many of you have, you've asked, I appreciate that. That's what it's about. I I found myself really resonating with, particularly one of the lines that Jared mentions in the very beginning of this chapter 8, is that when we come in contact with the collision, so to speak, a collision is what we're going to use repeatedly today. When we have a collision between our expectations and reality, one of the things that we want to do is Fight. I have wanted to fight somebody. Whether it's a missing person, whether it's an official, someone who does not see the needs that our family has, the needs that this child has, or just doesn't even seem to be working under common sense. I want to fight. Have you ever been in a situation where you were facing something absolutely out of your control and all you wanted to do was rumble? But there's nobody there. The Apostle Paul talks in one of his letters about how he's disciplining himself for the work and the road of faith, and he actually uses the image of shadowboxing. You know, we can feel like all we can do is fight, but sometimes our opponent, our adversary, isn't someone with whom we can land a blow. In reality, it causes us not to want to throw fists, but to clasp hands and say, Dear Lord, help me. When nothing else makes sense, when I don't know how you're going to make a way, I know you will. Now, if God will ask me and consult me how I want that way to go, I think he and I are going to get along fine. But if not, one of those things that we have had to come to grips with is what we've referred to before called an even-if faith, which comes from the book of Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're asking for God to deliver them from Nebuchadnezzar in his fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says, all you have to do is denounce your faith in God, and you'll be saved from this. You'll be spared from this fate. And they said, even if, well, God could save us, but even if he doesn't, we will not quit praising God. And that's one of those things where Tiffany and I and our family, we have repeatedly come back into our our time and points of faith saying we know that god has the ability to work miracles and wonders he's been doing it all along and even if he doesn't do them in the way that we want him to do it this doesn't mean we're going to trust him less or love him less or worship less praise him less there may be some choice words or adjectives that go along with it but you know what like we talked about last week saying those even in a sense of anger and despair Saying those is an act of faith that there's someone there to hear them. And so I just, I didn't plan on sharing this this morning, but when we were talking about prayer at the beginning, we're one of the families that Steve has asked his students to pray for. I shared this with Steve last week, and we're thinking about the collision of expectation and reality. I just can't, I can't not share where it is and invite you to pray with us. We hope and pray that, Uh, This person who is essential to completing the adoption, thank you, uh, will indeed be found and uh, do what needs to be done. Uh, But if not, then I pray that we have the faith to continue to do what we know we need to do, even in the face of disappointment. And so that brings us to our message this morning, Failing Faith, the fourth installment, which comes out of the eighth chapter, which is the God who weeps. So what do you do when your faith collides with real life or your experience in real life collides with faith what do you do do you want to fight do you fall to your knees do you pray do you sing do you cry do you wail do you do all that yeah the whole enchilada the whole kitten caboodle one of the things that we've seen in each of these installments That falls on that third line there about recap is that we might doubt. We might doubt that there is a way to be made for what it is that we want, or maybe what we demand, but we can find that we are blessed when we can embrace Christ. I read a few weeks ago from the Beatitudes how one of the translations puts it you are blessed when you're hopeless. Because when you realize, I'm paraphrasing now, you realize your hope had been in your own ability to see things, to control things, to find comfort in things, or to find control, comfort in controlling things. You're blessed when you realize you're at the end of your rope because then the only one to whom you can turn is God. And that's how I feel. And I have been convicted over and over and over again for the last three weeks. And the times when I've looked at prayer is a last resort, as opposed to my battle plan, and I'm working on that, and I encourage and invite you to work with me, and work on it on your own life, too, and so our message today is, again, the God who weeps. We're going to be exploring this collision using selected verses from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 37, and in particular, we're going to hone in on verse 35 in chapter 11, which you may know is the shortest verse in the Bible, which is... Jesus wept. He wept. Jesus weeps. That's right. So the collision. The collision occurs when we do not know God's plan. The collision occurs when we do not know God's plan, yet we would like to tell God what the plan should be. Have you ever been there with health, with finances, with maybe a spouse? child or parent a job or just the conditions of the world where and when have you found yourself at one of those points at one of those moments where you're experiencing a collision between what you thought or think faith should be how it should work out and how reality appears to be unfolding and unraveling and un well undoing us sometimes how do you feel that collision Well, Mary and Martha, their brother Lazarus had died. And this is the context of the collision that's going to frame our message content today. Their brother Lazarus had died. And they sent word to Jesus and said, hey, please come, hurry. Our brother is sick. And we know that you have the ability, you have the power to save him and to heal him. And did Jesus immediately drop what he was doing and run to be with Mary and Martha and Lazarus? No. Nope. Nope. He waited. Not one day or two days or three days. He waited four days. Now All of a sudden, I think I could show on this National Cinema Day a clip from Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, when Bilbo and Frodo are getting on to Gandalf about being late, and Gandalf the wizard says, the wizard is never early or late. He arrives precisely at the time he intended to arrive. And that's kind of how we might experience or expect God to work, is we want God to jump to our timeline, and God arrives at just the right time. John 11, chapter 4, I'm sorry, John 11, verse 4 We read this. He says, when Jesus heard it, he said, the final result of this sickness will not be the death of Lazarus. Now pay attention to that. It will not be the death of Lazarus. This creates an expectation, doesn't it? Please say yes. This has happened in order to bring glory to God, and it will be the means by which the Son of God will receive glory. And so, Jesus says the result of this will not be the death of God, and that through what's going to happen is going to glorify the Son of God and the Son of Man. And so, what we can take away from this is that suffering helps lead to God's glory. Is that good news to you? It is not to me, because I don't want to suffer. I don't like suffering. I don't think any of us want suffering. And so Jesus says, I'm not going to be in a hurry. And this will not result in the death of Lazarus. Rather, the result will be to bring glory to God. Suffering. We've talked about that throughout this series. We want our faith to be like a vaccine against suffering. We want to know that God is good and God is good. Don't get me wrong. God does not visit bad things on people. What we experience in the world of the world reveals to us that we need to get back into a right relationship with God and that our experience and expectation of the world is more rooted in our need to control and find comfort in our ability to control than it really is in surrender. This is the idea of failing faith that is the overarching message of this entire series. Is how frequently do we expect our faith to come to us in comfort not in the ability to surrender to God but to be able to control the things that we think and believe that we should be able to control and suffering runs in direct contradiction to that much to our chagrin the collision means we don't know what God's plan is and then even when we can hear the voice of God there may be a little bit of a mystery wrapped in an enigma right and a riddle an enigma all brought in here together because we cannot fully understand what is going to happen next this leads us to the second main point which is confession Right? Confession that God sees the bigger picture. In the meantime, between verse 4 and then skipping down to verse 21, that's the the gap that we're taking there, guess who dies? Lazarus. Now, the message that I'm sure Mary and Martha received, the disciples heard, was that what was taking place and happening was not going to result in the what of Lazarus? The death of Lazarus. And what happened? Lazarus died. He was D-E-D dead. That's a joke. I know how to spell dead. But he was dead. And so all of a sudden, everyone who thought that they knew and believed and understood the way that Jesus worked, they were faced with a conundrum. The collision between expectation and reality. And Jesus asks from this for them to make a confession. Now before we dig into our content there from Verses 21 through 27, I want to remind you, we started this series looking at Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler was one of those who came and told Jesus that he considered him good. And Jesus is like, I need you to drop that O. And I need you to move from calling me good to calling me God. I need you to make that confession. Not just that I'm good, but that I'm God. And so this provides a bookend, so to speak, to where we are here as we move into verse 21 through 27. And remember, Jesus said, this is not going to result in the death of Lazarus. And Lazarus is dead. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, Lord, my brother would not have died. I could just leave it there. Whose fault is it here? Jesus. How often have we wanted to blame God when things don't go our way? But I know that even now, with an even if faith, God will give you whatever you ask him for. Jesus responded, your brother will rise to life. Jesus told her, I know, she replied, that he will rise to life on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live, even though they die. And those who live and believe in me will never die. And then he asked this question, do you believe this? I'm to press pause really quickly. I've used this in a number of funerals over the last several years because of my own experience and, uh, and seeing loved ones go. This question that Jesus posed to Martha is a question he poses to us as well. Do you believe in what it is that God has said and promised? Do you believe it? I think we could add into that. Do you believe it when what God does doesn't meet your expectations? We pick up at verse twenty-seven. Well, yes, Lord," she answered. "I do believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who was come, who was to come into the world. I do believe. Remember how we talked about it the other day, or last week? I believe. Help me in my unbelief." This is an encounter that Jesus had with Martha and his encounter with Mary, the sister, was strikingly similar. But this is the encounter that Jesus had with them where they had to confront their belief but to try to find comfort in the things in which they could control, right? The things that they could just grab onto and hold onto with that white-knuckle grip. I'm going to be comfortable when I can control it. I will surrender when everything is surrendered to my will, (laughs) But Jesus is like, do you believe that I'm God? Yes. Okay. Well, that's a good start. This tells us that we need faith in the one who exists outside of our times and our troubles. Like that song said, I know you're going to make a way, God. I just don't exactly know how that's going to play out when it's going to happen and I need to have faith in the meantime where I struggle where I suffer where I am trying and striving to find that answer in the midst of what seems to be hopelessness we need faith in the one who exists outside of time and troubles one of my all-time favorite stories about being a dad and Ethan's here this morning so um hang on buddy (laughs) it's not a big deal Uh, Ethan is an exceptional student I mean he knocks the socks off anything that Tiff and I did individually let alone I mean combined let alone individually and so he is absolutely outstanding student I think I got more B's in one semester than he's gotten in his entire life right so uh, that's what type of a student he is and I think he was in first or second grade and it was the first time he had gotten anything less than like a perfect score on a test and my boy was devastated he came in from school and red eyes and puffy face, and he just felt like a failure. Tiffany hates it when I use that word. It speaks into how I feel sometimes. But at this point, Ethan's growing, he's big boy. I pick him up, and I cradle him in my recliner, and I just rock him. And I just told him, here in that one moment, with a bad grade on a test or something, he felt like it was the end of the world. And as his daddy, who had dropped a calculus class with an 11 average in college, that's on a scale of one to 100, right? <laughs> True story. I knew that one less than stellar grade and the second grade was not going to be his undoing. And I just held him. And I rocked him. And I talked to him. And I comforted him. And did he want to hear it? Not entirely. But there was hope in knowing that his daddy held him in his big, strong, hulking arms. Thank you very much. It was a dream. Yeah. Thank you, David. That speaks so much to the experience of life that we have, doesn't it? We feel like these momentary issues that we experience will be the end of us, if they are not already. And we need to know that even in the time when we are just desperate and filled with loss and loneliness, that our God is holding us and rocking us and caring for us and consoling us and comforting us in ways that we can't experience or understand Because he exists outside of our time and our troubles. And so this confession comes, much like what Jesus tried to get from the rich young ruler, what he did get from the father who had this child with epilepsy. But well, I need you to take that next step to know that I am not just good. I am God. You can bring your belief to me, but even more importantly, you can bring your doubts to me and know that I'm not going to cast you out. If anything, I'm going to hold you closer and let you know, because I exist outside of time and space, that this single solitary moment will not be your undoing. And if it does result in the last breath that you take on earth, it will ultimately result in the first breath you take in heaven so experience the power of a rekindling of faith that knows that even in these moments which we believe will be our undoing and our finite minuscule idea and ability to understand what's happening in this world that god's plan is bigger confess that need to god take that next step drop that o from good to god And confess even in your doubt and in your unbelief. That you believe and you want to ask Jesus into your unbelief. When we can make that confession and we can come to that point and say, God, I don't know how you're going to work this thing out, but you've promised all along that you are. I would like it to comport with my uh, comfort, but forgive me for my need to try to control things in order to find that comfort. So that I may surrender my heart and my life and my faith, my trust, my worship, my praise to you. We find that God is a God of compassion. Not a God that scolds us for struggling or crying or weeping or doubting. He's a God of compassion. He is the God that's holding us in his almighty and omnipotently powerful arms, holding us and rocking us and comforting us and saying that even when we cannot see or understand the way things are going, they are going God's way may we find hope with faith and love all wrapped up in our compassionate god so our third point talking about compassion is that our sorrow becomes become god's sorrow our sorrow becomes god's sorrow our sorrow is god's sorrow buckle up folks john 11 32 35 Jesus is like, Jesus, Jesus, I'm adding Southern preacher uh, syllables there. <laughs> Jesus has already had his confrontation with Martha, and now he has it with Mary. Mary arrived where Jesus was, and as soon as she saw him, she fell at his feet. Lord, she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Interesting how they had the same reaction, right? But pay attention to this, verse 33. Jesus saw her weeping, and he saw the people with her were weeping also. His heart was touched, and he was deeply moved. Jesus wept. I left out the question there, where have you buried him? And he asked, come and see the Lord, they answered. And that's where Jesus wept. phrase deeply moved that John gives us here literally means to snort like a horse. And here is where we get a picture of Jesus's humanity. Jesus was so moved by the weeping and the grieving of the people who gathered after Lazarus's death that he also was so moved that he snorted like a horse. Now, one of the little details and nuggets that I didn't add in this, just because, you know, don't have enough time for this in one weekly message, is that when Jesus was constantly being confronted by Mary and Martha with their lack of faith, so to speak, John tells us that Jesus got a little indignant in that. He's asking them, do you believe this? And he comes to them with compassion, but it also tells us that he became a little angered by their Apparent lack of faith by, that by their apparent failing faith. Again, their faith was all about trying to find comfort in the things that they believe that they could or should be able to control. And Jesus is telling them, surrender these things. Surrender your need to find comfort in your ability to control things. And come to me. I am good. I am more than good. I am God. And so Jesus, much like what happens when we experience a collision... There was a part of him in his humanity that became angry. He wanted to fight. He wanted to fight, right? They got angry. Why do you keep bringing this stuff to me when you know what's happening? But remember the collision here. Because what Jesus said was that what happens was not going to result in Lazarus' death. Mary and Martha, all the disciples were expecting Jesus to go and heal Lazarus before he died. And that's not what happened. Because right after this, Jesus says, move away the stone that covers the tomb. And Mary and Martha say, my goodness, he's been in there for three days. One of my favorite King James verses to quote, he stinketh, right? (laughs) He stinketh. But Jesus calls him out calls Lazarus out, and he tells him to unbind him. Jesus was deeply moved to where he snorted like a horse, the ugly cry, tears falling down the cheeks, not falling on the lips. I mean, I know it's a vivid picture, but I wanted to paint one vividly. This is Jesus in his humanity, in his compassion. He snorted like a horse jesus reaction to a grief-like stimulus or troubling stimulus was just like what we would right we get angry we want to fight we get sad we want to cry you know those five stages of grief shock denial anger bargaining acceptance they were all experiencing it there at the tomb where lazarus lay dead and jesus was there snorting like a horse He'd gone through everything but the shock and the denial and the the bargaining. What we can see here is when Jesus brought Lazarus back to life and we remember that Jesus said the result of this will not be the death of Lazarus. The result was that Lazarus lived again. He had a snapshot in time there where he was dead in the tomb, but the result was lazarus's ultimate life a message that we can take away is that everything that we experience the stuff that doesn't make sense to us when we feel a breakdown or a collision between our expectations and god's reality is that everything that we experience is to prepare us for heaven not to pamper us on earth My drop that should be on a slide. Let's see if we have that on a slide. Everything is to prepare us for heaven, not to pamper us on earth. But friends, this isn't the end of the story. One of the things that Bearden points out in his own grief and struggling to find comfort and surrender as opposed to comfort in his ability to control, he references Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. And this isn't on a slide, because I wanted you to hear this and to take it in. Peter wrote, Do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. I'm going to read that again. With the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So we zoom out on John chapter 11. And Jesus gets the word about what's transpiring with Lazarus. Four days for Mary and Martha felt like an eternity to them. Have you ever been in one of those places where you're waiting, you're experiencing the collision, you need an answer, you need a resolution, you need relief, and it feels like every single moment is an eternity? You lose all sense of time? It feels like well, eternity is hanging in the balance. Those four days with the divine side of Jesus was merely like a single blink of an eye or beating of a heart. Whereas for Mary and Martha and others, those four days felt like an eternity. But when Jesus comes and he shows up with the disciples and he's there and he's deeply moved and he weeps, It may seem as though it's a little out of place as a reaction, that is. But this is the point that Bearden pulls out of the scripture that struck me and just laid me flat on my back. Was in those moments where Jesus was with Mary and Martha and the disciples grieving Lazarus. He wasn't grieving Lazarus as though he had been deceased for the single heartbeat or blink of an eye. Jesus felt the accumulation of 4,000 years of grief right there in that one moment. And it was the Solidated grief of all the people who had gathered there. However many there were, whether it was four or 400, Jesus felt four millennia of grief right there in that moment. And that is what moved Jesus to cry an ugly cry, to wipe the tears that are staining his face, to wipe the snot that's wanting to drip into his mouth. It was those four millennia of grief that he felt and experienced in that moment that moved Jesus to that point of compassion. And he needed them there in that moment to say, I need you to confess to me that I am the eternal. That though you may be feeling a momentary burden and loss here, I am feeling it over the course of millennia. I am feeling it for you. Confess your hope and faith in me that I am eternal. My compassion for you is real and it is strong. Even when you experience the collision between your expectations and reality. Friends, when I read that in the book, when Bearden's talking about the illness that his father faced, it just laid me on my back. Because how I feel right now, on the road that God has me walking, every single moment feels like an eternity while we're waiting for good news or just waiting for resolution. If it's not going to end out the way that I want it to, let me get on with it. Let me move on. Get me out of this eternal wrestling match that I feel I'm in right now. And there we find Christ's collision with us. In these moments where we are agonizing, Jesus is feeling a composite millennia of grief and turmoil, and anger, and fear, and uncertainty, and in these moments where they turn into millennia for him, he wants to come back and say, I exist outside of your time, and I exist outside of your trouble. Trust me in these moments. Let me feel the weight and the heat of the millennia so that you can make it through this next moment. That is the compassion Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Who says, give me the millennia of suffering. And just be in the moment and know that while you suffer, I am holding you in my eternal arms. Friends, this collision is real. Jesus needs us to confess our faith in him even when it doesn't make sense and it's in that confession where we come back and we experience his compassion where he says, I want to bear your eternity of suffering and struggle so that you can just be and exist in this moment. He's the God who weeps. Isaiah referred to him as the man of sorrows. I think this is why. Why? I hope this is why. And so I want you to hear this invitation. If you find yourself here this morning struggling because of a collision that you've experienced between your expectation of how life should go and how life is going, I want you to know that you are not alone. Make that confession to Jesus that you are suffering and you're struggling, even if it's just for a moment, even though we understand that those moments feel like they are a lifetime in the making. But know this, that Jesus wants to bear the struggle, the suffering that you encounter. It feels like a moment to you. He is taking on for eternity. He's already done it when he went to the cross and he spent those hours there suffering because of our sinfulness. But it's that where he comes back and he says, feel my compassion. Friends, God is real. I am convinced of that. Even in those times when I find myself doubting, God loves you. Even though we have a distorted view of what love is sometimes. But God also has a plan and a purpose for your life. We have an expectation of how that should look. When it doesn't go our way, we can experience the grief. May we confess our need for our eternal Savior and experience his compassion as he promises to take our momentary suffering and hold on to them in his nail-scarred hands forever. If you need to spend a little time with the Lord this morning, crying your belief and pledging your unbelief, the altar is open. I am here to pray with you, not as some prayer warrior, but someone who is also struggling to make sense of the gap between expectation and reality. I want to be a prayer wimp, like Steve talked about. I hope you do, too. Pray with me, please, as the band comes up. Almighty God, I thank you so much. I do, even though I can't always make sense of it. Forgive me, Lord God, for my lack of faith and the doubt that creeps in when reality does not meet my expectations. That collision provides me an opportunity to get over myself, if even if it's just for a moment, and confess my need for you who exists outside of my time and my troubles. So in that confession, Lord, what I come to find is that you are a compassionate God who is bearing that pain that seems like just a moment here in this time and space, but you're feeling it for eternity. And so, Lord God, thank you for taking that from me so that I do not have to experience it even though it may feel like it in the time but I come back and thanks to your compassion I confess that I still need your mercies to be made new in my life every single day so that whatever collisions may come the rest of the day or tomorrow that I do not face them first with doubt but with faith praising worshiping praying serving even sometimes when I have to confess it doesn't make sense but that confession brings it back to your compassion which never fail so thank you Lord God for taking the threats of eternity so that I may find a moment of peace even in the midst of my struggles struggles I ask this in Christ's holy name Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for him. And we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.